0: Hi! Welcome to Swatch of Horrors podcast. This is a beauty podcast where me and my guests talk about beauty horror stories told by beauty professionals. So you will get an insight of the beauty industry that no one really talks about. Here it is in all of its horrible glory. All your horror stories ready to be shared with the world. Uh, If you do like this podcast, please Take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram story, mention swatch of horrors, and I'll repost it as long as your account's not private, and that will definitely help bring more visibility to this podcast. Um, again, I'm your host, Memes. I'm a former makeup artist, but I'm also a uh, Vietnamese and Mexican descent, so my whole Efforts here. I really just want to bring more representation to the podcasting world, specifically to the beauty podcasting world. So, the more you share, the more representation we get. And you know what? That is just a win win situation for everybody. So, I just want to give a disclaimer as usual I am not a medical professional. I am not a mental health professional. I don't have any experience in that field, but I've dealt with all sorts of mental health, uh, you know, um, anxiety, depression. I've been in so many dark black holes and I've lived to crawl out of them and I've lived to tell about it. And I've shared my story many times with uh, people I know because that is, in my opinion, what really helps other people is when they feel like they're not the only ones experiencing something like this. I've had experiences where somebody shared their mental health struggles with me and that in turn helped me get help as well. So I'm really huge on talking about it. Um, so I have a lot of experience in terms of receiving treatment. Um, I've seen therapists uh, many times. Uh, I've read some books here and there and i not saying that I don't deal with mental health struggles anymore. Um, That is not true. I, uh, especially now, I'm, you know, I go in and out of my phases, but I've learned enough to have the tools to cope. If you need professional advice, please seek somebody who's qualified, um, a doctor, a therapist. So just use this as um maybe like a guide. Do what you will with this advice. But Uh, Trigger warning as well, we're going to be talking about feelings and sometimes feelings can be uncomfortable and we're going to be talking about loneliness and sadness and winter and the holidays and all the things that can possibly sometimes just make you feel like crap around this time. And we're going to be talking about family. And so some of those things can really trigger some not good feelings. And that is your warning. But my whole goal here is to help you. So you don't have to listen, of course. But I hope that this helps you. I really wanted to do this episode because I have historically had a bad time. Um, around this time holiday season Christmas my family celebrates Christmas so I hope this can help you in some shape or form so let's get right into the show which will not have any um beauty horror stories today swatch of horrors. I'm looking for a I will have two links in my show notes. One will be to the CDC's website, and this gives you free resources on seeking treatment for mental health. I think there's also some resources for substance abuse, so if you struggle with uh, staying sober right now, too, you can gather some free resources. There's also, like, a suicide hotline, and, you know, you don't even have to be suicidal to to reach out to some of these resources. They can be, like, a crisis hotline. There's also one on there that I like. It's a crisis texting hotline, so you can text you can just totally communicate with somebody via text and it's a crisis counselor who can just help you work through some problems and it's a really good resource. Also, I want to let you know that if you are employed, you can go to your human resources department or look in your benefits manual. And most employers have an employee assistance program. It's called the EAP. EAP. And this is a free resource for employees to use and it's, it should be confidential. And a lot of times they'll approve up to like five or seven counseling sessions for free. And that is a great resource. So many people don't even know that they have, and yet it's sitting there and you're able to use it. So I encourage you to maybe talk to someone from human resources or look through your handbook. And see if you have an EAP program and look into that if you need some counseling because it's free. Why not? Also, I think I just mentioned this, but use Google or use the Internet to find your local resources, whether it's by state. So let's say California, you're going to Google or look up California Mental Health Resources Uh, And you'll probably find like an official government website. So do that for your state, your location. I also put a link, I think, for Canada resources too. Because I think there's like maybe three people in Canada who listen to this podcast. If you go to my Instagram and you click the link in bio, so Swatch of Horrors Instagram, there's the link in the bio and I put those two resources. Please look into that. If you have the luxury of having insurance coverage try to make an appointment with your doctor or your therapist. Perhaps if you log into your insurance portal, I actually mentioned this and a friend actually used it. So you go into your insurance portal, you do your credentials, and then they may have an option to receive telehealth. So that can either be by video or phone call and you can literally pick like your doctor, a therapist, a psychiatrist. You can pick one of those and it's usually, the copay is usually inexpensive compared to if you were to go in person. So I highly suggest doing that, especially right now in the pandemic, you probably don't want to see someone in person. So you have access virtually to somebody that way. So hopefully that's a good amount of official resources that I can give you to look up a professional help and yeah, just make sure you're checking in on your friends. So let's get right back into the episode. So today's episode I want to talk about how to survive the holiday season or like winter because it's uh usually people have seasonal depression um here where I'm at in the states uh we had a time change and right now in the winter the sun goes down like at I don't know 3 no like 4 4:30 in the afternoon and it gets dark by around 5 so it it kind of sucks and that can mess up with your you know just how you feel so that's why I mentioned last episode getting as much sun as you can well safely like you don't want skin cancer. Um, sun is good for your brain, you know your your health a little bit here and there. listen to that episode for that. Um, so this is gonna be a mixture of articles that I found sources from these articles. also uh, my personal experience and advice. So I'm gonna start with the more concrete like, articles first. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned this time is very personal to me. Historically, in the last few years, the Christmas season for me hasn't been very, um, it's been very hard because I am a product of divorce and my my parents, okay, they're divorced. There's so much trauma with that in terms of like, just what children go through. And You know, there's a lot of things that I've sorted out over the years and have come to terms with. So for me personally, dealing with the holiday season is a constant reminder of my divided family. Hey, like, oh, I don't have one place to go to. No, I have to go to my dad's side and then my mom's side and then see two different parents. And obviously this year is going to be so different. And I'll get into that because I definitely discourage people from hanging out um, and gathering this year. And that's the whole thing, because obviously covid nineteen I talk about it all the time, but um, I also' we'll, we'll get into that um so holidays constant reminder of my divorced family, okay, boohoo, Mom and dad are separated, are um, divorced, and that sucks, and even as an adult, I'm freaking thirty in my early thirties, so it still affects me, and the good thing this year I mean. There's really nothing good about the pandemic at all at all. But I will say the positive thing about that is that it is overshadowed kind of like my parental issues that I usually have to deal with around this time because, you know, probably I'm not going to see them and I don't have to deal with family this year because it's just not safe for us to gather. So, I, I I'm kind of okay with that this year. It's kind of nice. Not to say I don't like to see my family. I love to see my family. I miss them so much. But it it kind of gives me a break this year. I'll share this personal story because this happened like 3 years ago. Just just so you know like the level of anxiety that I have gone through. And you know, if this has happened to you, like that's totally okay, but I've lived to tell about it. Here's what happened. So a few years ago, uh, me and my cousins, we had like a a like little Christmas gift exchange thing. And then I noticed like my heart was kind of racing a lot. I I think I even took like an anti-anxiety uh, pill because I was so desperate to feel better. Like I think I was just so stressed out about holiday shopping and then driving. But really, there was a lot that I didn't deal with. Um, I was really neglecting the fact that the holidays bothered me. My parents were divorced and I was ignoring that. Okay, in retrospect now, like I know that's what was bothering me, but I was carrying on my life as if, oh, I'm fine. Maybe I'm just stressed out about holidays. No, I was really stressed out about the family stuff. Had our little get together. I was driving home. I was on the freeway. Um, my heart just felt like worse and worse. And I just felt like palpitations, like jumping out of my chest. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like something is happening. Like I am I'm pretty young. I'm was pretty active. Wasn't really, you know, had any health problems. So I called the nurse's line. And she's like telling me to pull over. I shouldn't be driving. I'm like, OK, yeah, well, it's an emergency. Kind of, I think. Um, so I pull over and then she's talking to me and based off of like my symptoms, she was saying, oh, I think you should go to the emergency room or urgent care to seek treatment for um how you're feeling. And I was like, oh, great. That that just makes me feel better. So that made me feel worse. And. Immediately I was calling all the different urgent cares and I guess a lot of them were busy because it was flu season at the time and I finally found one. So I went to this urgent care and I go in there and the doctor says, okay, I'm going to do an EKG on you. So he hooks me up with all these wires, does the little EKG thing, prints out like a picture of all these lines that my heart made I guess whatever don't know what all that is electrical whatever and he's like oh he circles this little piece on the little graph and he's like this looks weird you need to see a cardiologist looks abnormal to me great so now I'm like I feel like my heart palpitations are validated by the abnormality that he claims that he saw Next thing you know, I go to the cardiologist a few days later. I show her the EKG. I didn't really think she was that concerned about it, but she's like, let's hook you up to a heart monitor for like two days. And so they hooked me up to this thing. I had to wear this thing like on my chest, and then it had wires that connected to like a pager. Like, if you guys remember what pagers were, it's like this plastic little thing that you clipped to your belt well that was me at the office walking around hooked up to this heart monitor thing um and it made me so itchy i had like a rash um burned into my skin in the shape of the the heart monitor anyway um it turns out like um oh and then i think every time i had an episode like of palpitations i had to press the button to signal like hey this is happening like take a look at the report um and then turns out everything was completely normal and the doctor was like are you stressed? And I was like I didn't think so. But it 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 was kind of a wake up call to how crippling or how anxiety can really bring about physical symptoms. And so that was a huge Awakening for me, like, oh, you know what? I think there is something going on in my brain. So had to go see my therapist um again. And we talked through the events that were happening, and it comes back to my parents, and it was like, Oh, this is what's bothering you. And so I just wanted to share that really personal story because that was around Christmas time. And I really didn't think I was feeling any sort of way. I didn't think I was sad about my family situation, but I really was. Um, so I had to work through that. And let's start with my personal first tip is don't try to push away your negative feelings. If you're feeling sad, welcome it in. Say, hey, you know, um, hey, memes, like I'm feeling sad today self. Um hmm, let's let's ask myself why. And then anything that triggers you like take note of it uh you don't want to push it away because the more and i think it's dr susan david is that her name yeah susan david she has this book uh, emotional agility my bad and she says that when you try to ignore how you feel it's as if you were on a diet And you're hiding a cake in the refrigerator and you're telling yourself, no, I'm not going to have it. Um, I'm just going to keep it in the fridge and just pretend it's not there. But the more you try to ignore it, the bigger the craving gets and the urge gets. It's kind of that way with our emotions. We don't want to push them away because it's only going to grow and come back later in maybe the form of palpitations or like you're going to end up in the urgent care. So you definitely want to acknowledge how you're feeling instead of pushing it away. Like, it's okay. If you need to cry, go ahead and cry. Like, I love to cry. It's it's great. Um. Also, another thing you can do is just ask yourself why constantly. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, why? And then what? And then what? And then what? So for example, there was a time where Um, I'm part of this professional group and I didn't get to do this thing that I needed to do. And I was afraid that, uh, my colleagues would like shun me or something and be like, why couldn't you do this simple thing? Like you have the easiest job. Why can't you do this? Um, and I literally had so much anxiety driving to this event. And this was a few years ago, uh, to meet up with my professional colleagues I almost turned around. I had crippling anxiety about it. I almost turned around and I had to tell myself, like, I had to break it down. And I was like, okay, why am I feeling this way? So I answered back. I'm feeling this way because I didn't do this tiny thing paperwork wise. I didn't do this paperwork and I'm afraid that my colleagues are going to hate me for it. And then I said, Why? Have they acted like this before? And I answered to myself, uh, no. And then I was thinking, what would they say if I didn't bring it? And then I answered and I said, well, they'd probably just be like, oh, that's okay. Just email it like when you can. And once I started answering my own questions, the answers were so like, like nothing to be worried about and then that just like it's a big wake up call it's like why am i so worried about something if i know the answer is okay my colleagues aren't going to get mad at me about this then why am i creating this narrative of they're going to be so mad at me if i didn't bring this sheet of whatever paperwork that i had to complete they're not even like that and and they would be so understanding and they were and i showed up to the event after i talked myself like kind of down and I asked and answered my own questions and it didn't turn out that bad and then I walked in and I told them I said hey you know I know I was on the hook to do this thing um, and luckily it wasn't even due like it's not even anything that had a hard deadline at all and then they were like oh yeah that's fine literally that's what they said and I was I could not believe like the narrative that I created in my head so just ask yourself these questions. Well what's going to happen if this happens? and then what's going to happen? and then what? and then what? and then what? and then once you start answering yourself, you're going to realize that your answers are are really going to help you just feel better about everything. you usually make things worse than they really are in reality. so yeah, i break it down for myself that way. just ask yourself questions until you can answer them and feel better about the answers that helps a lot. This next piece of advice comes from an article from vox.com and the article's titled how to make this winter not totally suck according to psychologists. So Uh, The first thing, and I'm just gonna paraphrase here. There's a quote here. Studies show that anything we can do to direct our attention off ourselves and onto other people or things is usually productive and makes us happier. This quote is from someone named uh, Sonia Louis-Bomirsky. Sorry. A psychology professor at the University of California Riverside and author of The how of happiness, a scientific approach to getting the life you want. So a lot, um, quote again, a lot of life's problems are caused by too much self-focus and self-absorption, and we often focus too much on the negatives about ourselves. So, so yeah, when you focus on other things, like helping other people, that is definitely something that can help um, connecting with people more. Uh, relationships are really key that they're stating here. Acts of kindness. So, acts of kindness can really make you happier because you're helping someone else be happier. And I guess that creates like a sense of purpose. Uh, so, this person that I quoted earlier does a lot of research on kindness. And it turns out, quote, People who help others end up feeling more connected and become happier. So do acts of kindness that line up with your personality. So for example, like if you don't like kids, like don't go volunteer to help kids um, to read to them or anything. So you want to do something that matches kind of your, your thing. And it also gives you a sense of purpose. So when you have more of a sense of purpose especially, uh, helping others, then you don't feel as miserable and you feel like you're actually, um, contributing in some way. Obviously it's pandemic. Do what makes sense. Do something smart. Uh, maybe do something virtually, do something, uh, where you don't need to participate in person, or maybe you just want to, um, do monetary donations. If you have the, the resources, Or even, like, drop off some food at the food pantry, your local food pantry. Check on your elderly neighbors. Pick up a prescription for somebody. Uh, Little things like that uh, will make you feel better. Just doing things for other people. Stay genuine. Like... Don't go out of your way to do all this kind of work because you're like, I'm going to heal myself by uh, doing all this good stuff. I mean, do it because you actually also care and you also want to make other people happy. So I guess there's that. Like, like, don't don't do it selfishly, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, The article also says um draw on and i'm paraphrasing here draw on gratitude um quote when you feel grateful your mind turns its attention to what it's per- what is perhaps the greatest source of resilience for most humans other humans uh says david Destento, a psychology professor at Northeastern university and the author of emotional success um, this person says by reminding you that you're not alone that Others have contributed to your well-being. It also reduces stress. So one thing you can do this winter is try to do like a gratitude journal. This is so hard for me because I just feel super cheesy about it. It's not my favorite thing to do. I feel like, like it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. I know that sounds really negative and like weirdly like doom and gloom. But it's just not natural for me to write down like gratitude stuff and say out loud like I'm so grateful for the air that I breathe like I just I know it helps I know it helps a lot and then the science is apparently backs this claim but for me I like to do my gratitude usually very privately whether it's in prayer or like just like thinking about it but they're suggesting to write it down actually do a gratitude journal and um, The more you do this, you will definitely start to, it says, um, try to also focus on people you're grateful to because that's more impactful than focusing on things. And that you focus on events that surprise you because they generally elicit stronger feelings of thankfulness. So I'm I'm reading the article now. Another practice is to write a letter of gratitude to somebody. Again, this is cheesy for me but that's just me personally but I definitely wouldn't knock it I should try it myself or maybe just write this letter to them and you don't even have to give it to them like uh maybe you can just paraphrase it to them in person if you want like I don't know do what what aligns with your personality but then again if you keep doing that maybe you'll stay unhappy so maybe go against that actually so Maybe try something that makes you feel uncomfortable. How about that? Including myself. And that's true. Like, my fiance would tell me, like, when I get into my kind of ruts or cyclical, like, negative thinking or despair, he tends to tell me, like, I need to focus on all the things that I do have and all the things, the good things that I have going for me. And that definitely helps a lot. So, when you shift your focus from Oh, like all the stuff that I don't have to. Hey, look at all the stuff I do have. That really helps uh, shift your attitude as well. Okay, and the article also mentions uh, go outdoors. Like that is my big thing is getting outdoors, looking at nature. Even if you don't really live in a super naturey place, like just get outside. Get outside. Go for a walk. And you'll start to feel better about things, especially if you can go for a walk during the day. That definitely helps um, a lot too. So yeah, get outside. Another thing I would say personally, here's we're getting into my personal little things here. People can be very disappointing. uh, And that really bothers me. The lack of feeling like I don't really have a support system sometimes from people that I feel like should be supportive of me. That to me takes a toll on on me. But what's been helping me lately is coming to terms with this is just how some people are. That's not a reflection on like how they think of me because honestly, maybe they're not even thinking about me and that like, what can I do about that? Nothing. Like I can't force somebody to care about me and if they don't care about me well then they don't that's just one less person for me to even like bother thinking about like just not taking things personal if people want to be selfish and if people are selfish and that really bothers you like hey that's that's their own toxic trait like that has nothing to do with you you didn't program them to be um, selfish so why are you taking it so personally? I would say stop focusing on the disappointment that other people have brought upon you in terms of just uh constant like letdowns and just um, people not meeting your expectations. Like I-, I think letting it go is kind of the the most freeing thing. And yeah, you'll you'll kind of have like a deficit, like a loss there so i think drawing on like who you do have around you like amplify that more like really build up the relationships that you do have that can be better uh call your friend like i literally called my friend the other day um uh, because i i mean i thought it would be nice actually my fiance was like you should call your friend uh your friend i'm sure likes to talk on the phone I know some people hate phone calls, but I grew up in the phone generation of calling your friends after school and stuff like that. So um, we talked for like an hour, I think, and it was nice. I haven't haven't really had a conversation like that in a while. So that was really nice to do. Uh, so build your relationships up, uh, the ones that are there that are worth your time and energy because those people are going to be your support system. Those people won't let you down as often because they're still around. So work on building up those relationships instead of investing your time dwelling on the people who are just letting you down. There's no benefit in spending your energy wondering why or, you know, oh gosh, why is this person not being there for me or whatnot Uh, I think you should probably have like a moment where you mourn the relationship or relationships and just kind of bury it like just say you know what that was kind of the past that was our thing before and now this person or these people are just not around anymore and they're doing things that maybe you don't morally agree with and you know you just you want to surround yourself with people who align with your values so if these people also don't align with your values then you know that's that's a gain for you is losing some of those toxic relationships or dynamics that you have so if you listen to episode six, which is uh, titled "Hi, I'm Your Host," it goes a little bit more into my cultural background, my heritage of being Mexican and Vietnamese. Um, I'm more so uh, culturally brought up, uh, more so with the Vietnamese culture, uh, and more so than my Mexican side. Even though I do have some, you know, things that I did grow up with, but predominantly, I would say it was kind of like my dad's, my dad was Vietnamese. So everything was very centered around Vietnamese culture. Here's the thing that I feel, this is my personal theory. I'm sure it's a real thing somewhere. Didn't research it, but here's my personal theory and opinion on the parent-child dynamic in Vietnamese households, especially when it comes to uh, like second generation, like Vietnamese American children who were uh, brought up in the U.S. and having to have this dynamic with their uh, immigrant parents. So in terms of that child parent dynamic in the Vietnamese culture, uh, Americanized kids and their immigrant parents, I feel like it can be toxic because yes, we are raised to respect our elders, anything our parents say, it goes, respect our older siblings. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's great. Where it comes into a problem, I feel like is when adults, when children grow older into adulthood, a lot of times, especially I notice with male, male with fathers, Vietnamese fathers is that they don't register that their child is grown. They're still seen as children, and therefore the tone that they speak to them is usually still in that child-adult dynamic. And that, in my opinion, can cause a lot of strain for the adult child, so myself, because it's hard for us to establish boundaries with our Vietnamese immigrant parents because we're so used to saying, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, but like, yes, um, I will do what you say, no arguing. So when it comes to creating boundaries and trying to do the right thing, telling our parents no as an adult can still feel very foreign and sometimes disrespectful. But creating that dynamic of adult, child and adult parent is really important. And this kind of carries over into adulthood. So then we start to cater to our parents' needs and demands, even if it means like resenting them for it. And that's a toxic cycle. That's something that I have worked hard to try to break that cycle with myself mentally and to address my dad as if I'm an adult as well. So he can start to see that, Hey, I'm no longer this kid, this teenager. I am a 30 something year old woman. I am about to be married one day. uh, I'm engaged, but Uh, not getting married anytime soon. Don't worry about it. Uh, not, not contributing to the spread. So don't worry. And it's been very hard for me to change that dynamic, but I think I'm slowly starting to get there just by creating some healthy boundaries that can be hard to do coming from an Asian uh, background. And I think a lot of like Latinx people have this problem as well with their parents. It's like, we want to make our parents happy, but we also need to make ourselves happy, and sometimes saying no does not go over well with family. So you need to set up some boundaries. I will link in the podcast notes a show, a fellow podcaster friends I've never met before, but they're, they seem really great. And we chat often. Um, Their podcast is called Homo in Training, and they have a topic all about boundaries and their take on what boundaries mean to them. So I really liked that episode. Take a listen to them if you want some tips on how to set boundaries for yourself. So for me, I feel like it's important to say no, but in a respectful way to your parents if they want you to gather and go over. But that goes against like what you're trying to do for the sake of humankind and not contributing to the spread of COVID-19, you know, just say, hey, you know, I'm not going over. I miss you. I care about you. I'll drop off some food. I'll pick up a to-go plate, but I can't, I can't go over there. I, I would put it on them, like guilt them in a way saying how, You know, I couldn't forgive myself if I came over there and I gave you the virus. I really want you there for XYZ thing in the future. You know, I wanna make sure that you're there for that. So let's just keep doing what we're doing. Things are gonna get better soon. I'm just gonna stay home. Just coming from a place of love, of, hey, you're taking care of them by not doing this, I think can be really helpful. And also not just say no, like just give them the reason why, you know, don't get defensive, don't get upset, just, you know, be calm about it and come from a loving place. And honestly, that is something that I keep having to do. There's some people who keep asking me to come over and I constantly, even though I've given the long ass text message before, you just got to do it again and just constantly remind them, no, I'm sorry, like. I live with a high-risk person. I can't risk bringing the virus home to them. I don't want to get you sick, blah, blah, blah. So establishing boundaries with uh, your Asian family can be very difficult sometimes because of that dynamic that we're raised in. And I don't want to generalize all Asian um, cultures, but that's just been my experience coming from a predominantly like Vietnamese cultural household. But also like my Mexican side, like even though they're like, I think they're like third generation or something, they were all born here. Like my grandparents, uh, my grandmother is very strong-willed and I have to kind of help like back up my mom because my mom tries to instill these like, like things to keep my grandma on track. Like, hey, no, we're not doing Thanksgiving or hey, you know, we shouldn't gather for Christmas. Like we're not going to do that. Like this is why, remember, so and so just passed away. I don't think we want that to happen to us, so uh so I gotta like help my mom out with kind of backing up that narrative and I don't know, I feel like my grandmother's very stubborn, but she does listen, I think, to me sometimes. So that can be a challenge too, even on like, you know, like I'm saying with my Mexican side, with anybody really. It's not just it's not really indicative of just you know latinx families or or asian families but family dynamics in general lastly like if you're feeling very hopeless around this time which can be very common i know i'm i can be kind of you know more on the realistic side of things in my opinion and if you believe in a higher power something god or you know Uh, Whatever it is that you draw on spiritually, I would say tap into that to help you and keep the faith to, to help you see the light at the end of the tunnel. So for me, I was actually feeling really, really sad lately because of the skyrocketing numbers here in the United States with COVID and, you know, recent death in the family and feeling how that could have been prevented because you know, they had gone to this party and everybody got sick. And anyway, that that's just, you know, you know, people make their own decisions and I just need to be at peace with that. You know, people are going to do what they're going to do and the consequences are going to happen. And that that's just the ugly truth. So for me, it's been very frustrating. I've been feeling really uh really sad because I feel like I can't plan my wedding for next year because I felt like we're just gonna be stuck here with just you know, zero capacity in the hospitals and all this doom and gloom. But, you know, drawing on faith, um, me and my fiance's family, we say the rosary, um, I think six about six nights a week, and we do this over um Virtually, and it's been this habit and and it's sometimes like I don't even think about it, it's just something that we do and then um honestly i I feel like it's really helped me a lot and helped us a lot. It's really helped kind of bridge a stronger sense of hope and like affirmations that, hey, you know, our family so far, um our immediate family anyway, has been pretty um blessed i guess we're we're still in great health we did have like a, an incident recently but that, that had nothing to do with covid but you know for the most part we're we're pretty good i think drawing spiritually really helps even in your darkest like moments and not to say that praying makes everything go away because it doesn't because you know, there's even that story uh, in the Bible somewhere. It was this guy named Job where he had everything in the world, and then um, he was plagued with like death and family dying, and all these horrible things were happening to him, but he still had faith. And I think about that a lot sometimes, and I'm not telling you to believe in my God or a specific God or read the Bible. I'm not telling you to do any of that. but what I am saying is that for me, it's important because bad things are going to happen. That's just the nature of human life. And we just need to accept that, and then do what we can to control what we have control over, so we have control over staying home, um not gathering, washing our hands, um being in good health as much as possible. I mean we have some control over that, uh, but why I mention this is because uh the um Our Lady of Guadalupe had her feast day on December twelfth, and for me, that's like a saint that. I feel very, like, drawn to. Uh, so, if you know the story or not, um, there's this guy named Juan Diego, and he was, like, an indigenous man in Mexico, and he pretty much had um La Virgen, like, show up to him a few times. And I think at one point, like, he was worried about his uncle who was really sick, and then I think she says something like, basically, trust in me and, and everything will be fine. And... I think she even uh cured his uncle too at one point. Yeah, I think so. you can look up this story. It's it's very easy to find online. She tells him to build the shrine on top of a hill. He goes and he tells the archbishop um this story, and you know, the archbishop wanted proof that um, you know, La Virgen came to him, and so she tells him to pick these flowers. And apparently these flowers are like Castilian roses and they're nowhere to be found in Mexico. Like they don't grow there. So he gathers them in his cloak and then he brings them back to the archbishop. And as he lets down all the roses from his cloak, like the image of uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe is on his cloak, like imprinted. And to this day, it's still in in a church in Mexico. And that's definitely a place that I would love to go visit one day. And... Uh, that was on the 12th, like, her feast day of, of the anniversary of when one of the apparitions happened. And, uh, and then the day before that, like, I think it was December 11th, they had, the FDA had approved the vaccine, um, I think, to be used in the States, I think. So, to me, it was just kind of like, I had this moment of, just listening to the news, I had this weird rush of, like, hope that I hadn't felt in a really long time. And it's not very natural for me to be hopeful or but something felt like this is just this is a moment that is being brought to us in the form of like it's something has come to save us. And that's kind of you know like this overwhelming feeling that I had and and being around the same time of Juan Diego's feast day like I think he was I think he became a saint on December 9th in the year 2000, I think it was. And so just like in between these days, and I just feel very, um, very hopeful. And I definitely personally don't feel like it's a coincidence that, you know, this has come about around the time of her feast day and Juan Diego's feast day. And you know it almost feels like a miracle even though like science is real science is you know but but we're given these talents and everything like that to be used for good and to have purpose in life and and it just feels like this this big event and that was like really meaningful for me all the timing of this feels very significant personally um, You know, you, you can believe in whatever you want to believe. But for me, like that is kind of the little bit of hope that I needed to feel OK about the future. So I guess what I'm trying to say is just draw on your faith, whatever you believe in, um, reflect spiritually and, and just really see where you're at. Just have faith that things will be better as long as everyone is putting in the effort and I know that's not really happening, but if you can put in the effort, then you know you're doing your part to, to help with all of this. So hopefully that brings you some sort of advice on, you know, what what we can do during the wintertime, during the holidays. So just like a recap, and I don't even remember these anymore, but help other people if you can. Volunteer time, uh, check in with people. Maybe you want to do a nice errand for an elderly neighbor, your grandparents, pick up someone's prescriptions. Uh, do nice things because when you focus on other people, you take so much of that negative dwelling on yourself. So focus your energies outwards. Don't p- focus so much attention on uh, people who just are not doing you any good. Now, I recorded most of this a few days ago and since then i've been talking to different people about their opinions on their feelings about people not really being there for them this year and i have somewhat of a different uh sentiment about it now than i did earlier in this episode but here's what i'll say like i do understand a lot of people have been struggling this year and it's not fair to expect people to be there for you because everyone is literally dealing with their own personal struggle but I feel like that can only get you so far and can only excuse you for so long and there comes a point where people really just are not checking in on you and they're too busy being self-absorbed and that to me I feel like is a relationship that's not helping you and it's not conducive to anything positive if it's if it makes you sad and upset thinking about this relationship so I just want to say I do understand everyone's going through a lot and to have some sort of leniency towards that and understanding that people are going through their own struggles right now too but that's also not a free pass for you to use that excuse is not being a good friend or a good person or a good family member. It's just not. So, you know, have some level of understanding, but also stop putting your energy in relationships that are bringing you down. And last but not least, look to some spirituality, whether it's um, whatever it is you believe in, you know, that doesn't hurt anyone. Draw on your faith. And hang in there, have some hope, because this will be over soon. Check out the links in the show notes for uh, free mental health resources that you can call. Also, look to your employer if they have an employee assistance program, which is usually called the EAP. It is free, even if you don't have medical insurance through your employer, They should have a program that is available to everybody. Most companies have this. So check it out. Call your human resources or look through your company manual where it explains all the benefits you get for being an employee. I'm sure there's something there where you can get free counseling sessions. Just inquire about it and you'll be able to find it. Thanks for listening to the Swatch of Horrors podcast. This is a bi-weekly podcast, and we talk about beauty horror stories told by beauty professionals. Go ahead and follow Swatch of Horrors on Instagram or Twitter, or email SwatchofHorrors at gmail.com. Send me your beauty horror stories. I would love to hear your worst stories ever that you've ever had on the job, and I will read them on the show. Wash your hands, stay safe, and let's just get through these next few months. I know things will start to be better. Just hang in there. Do the right thing. Don't be a super spreader. And see you later.